0: continuing our Blitz, I guess, of uh, Hong Kong Literary Festival authors who are joining us in the studio, so that you can meet them. And I'm delighted to have with me right now, Nuri Vitachi, Hong Kong author and journalist. Nuri, how are you? Hi, Karen. I think I'm not a stranger
1: to uh, RTHK audiences. I, I think you should be paying me yeah. regular fees <laughs>
0: so often. <laughs> You've got to do this one pro bono, just right, for right, me. Yeah. And we're also on Facebook Live, so if you go to my Facebook page, Karen on RTHK Radio 3, you can see, as well as hear Nuri there, no charge. So, Nuri, first of all, tell us, what have you been working on most recently? Uh, I've switched to uh, nonfiction recently, which has been uh, rather
1: fun. So um, I, I keep up my... I do a series for kids and a series for adults. So um, uh, at the moment, um, I've just done a... I've been doing science for kids, which is a really fun subject. I've always been a science nut. And um, uh, my latest one is called The First of Everything, and it's a book about the the first... Cup of coffee, the first car, the first pencil. Um, kids basically wrote in and uh, uh, nominated objects. And um, we had a 60 minute window and we had to find out the truth of uh, the origin story. Oh, of <laughs> and, these objects? Yeah, and we weren't allowed to leave the school library. So it was kind of a game.
0: So you couldn't use Google?
1: We could use the you, school library
0: computer. Okay, yeah, yeah. which has access to Google or not? Yeah, <laughs> which does, does have access to Google. The trouble is, we found is, that Google was wrong for almost everything. Isn't that how everyone uh, finds out everything now? They yeah. just Google it, right?
1: Yeah, but but this was because this was a. Uh, I mean, this was for a very serious one of the biggest science publishers in the world. Okay, so we couldn't use. We couldn't trust google we couldn't trust wikipedia mm-hmm. so we had to use mostly university databases mm. you know, uh, which you can access from school yeah. uh, computers so and it's great
0: so so then how long did that take mm. so you said you had 60 minutes for each for each object, item yeah each
1: item. Oh, it was great fun because you know because kids like you know if it was adults they'd nominate you know uh Sensible right, objects, topics, but yes. like kids, you know. So one, so we got toilets, for example. Okay. The first, did you know that the first toilet was um, was uh, more than a thousand years before the first toilet paper? The first toilet okay. paper was uh, <laughs> one hundred and five A.D. But uh, but uh, the first actual toilet was long before that. So very, I, very I, was, sad I thought the first toilet history. was just a
0: hole in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So. Um, since we're talking about non-fiction you are actually doing a workshop on non-fiction writing as part of the lit fest right
1: that's right uh, on wednesday um it's uh it's brilliant timing because on wednesday my latest uh non-fiction book for adults comes out oh. and uh i've been i'm really excited about this one it's uh it's good and controversial of I like a course. Bit of course but uh do you want to tell uh, us about it yeah well a few years ago there was a there was a gentleman um, named Blake in one of my uh, adult writing courses. And um, he said he had a story to tell. He was there to tell one story. And um, uh, after the course, he was a reasonably good student, but then a few months after the course, he he called me and he said, uh, I'm having trouble writing this story. You're gonna come and help me with it. So I turned up uh, not really wanting to do anything. And I I said, um, okay, tell me the story. Uh, I I don't know if I can co write it with you or anything, uh, but the story was so good. Oh, it was good. So good uh, that I said, uh, okay, I'll co write this with you. And it was great because he was a former CID officer Mm. and uh, he'd. He he wanted to reinvestigate a suicide case from 1980. Uh, this was long before you were born, no, Karen. I was born. Um, <laughs> I was alive. Just only just, only just. But um, yeah, it was a suicide of an expat uh, in Hong Kong in 1980, and uh, this CID officer was convinced it was a uh, it was a murder. And when I talked to him, I, I, I was very sceptical at first, but realised. Uh, he he was onto something. Uh, uh, at that stage, he'd already made a contract with a university press or something. And I said, no, this story is too good. We're gonna go for the biggest publisher in the world. So I made him cancel that contract. And together we applied to Penguin Random House, oh. the world's biggest publisher, and they took it. Wow! And it comes out on Wednesday. F- oh,
0: fantastic! So, Cold Exciting. Case
1: Reinvestigated by a journalist and a and a former CID man.
0: Okay, Cold Case Reinvestigated. Re- okay, so then the workshop. Are you going to be able to incorporate some of what you learnt from that into the into the non writing workshop? Uh,
1: yes, because that's a that's a nice journey because the the um, the gentleman I was working with had um, he'd never published a book before. And so we took him all the way from not having published a book to having his name as co-author on a book by one of the world's biggest publishers. And there's already been inquiries about movie rights and stuff. So, you know, that's the full journey. Mm. So I thought well, that's a perfect example of uh, the journey an ordinary Hong Kong person can take.
0: Yeah, you know? from an idea yeah. to actually having the having the book published. Having the book there, yes. Yeah.
1: yes. It's due to arrive any day now, so I hope it'll actually be there and I can hold it in my hand.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: So in your in your opinion, what are the cornerstones of good nonfiction writing? <laughs> you know, there's nonfiction writing that we we open it and after like three pages like it's too boring even though you may be interested <laughs> right. in the topic yeah. so what makes a good non-fiction piece actually it's very interesting over the last
1: uh, few years non-fiction growth has uh, overtaken uh, fiction dramatically for all the main publishers uh, that's why publishers like penguin are doing more non-fiction and uh, fewer novels um, so the genre novels are still popular so the you know the crime readers will still buy the crime uh, novels and love story readers will buy love stories, but in the general market, the one that's shooting up is uh, is nonfiction. And um, one of the nice things, for, from a writer's point of view, is that the nonfiction writers have taken all the tools of fiction writers you know we, we we're now storytellers we create the atmosphere we create context we use all the tools of literary writers but we do it for non-fiction and it's actually really hard because um you can't make up anything so for example in this uh, in this new book i'm talking about which is called uh, the witch hunters um there are there are weather references, you've got to have weather references, you know. It was a cold, stormy day right. yes. when John opened the door and stepped out of his building. You've got to check the weather. We've got to find a weather report from that time 40 years old oh, and, no. and check it. So every detail has to be correct. So it's a complete nightmare of research, but, uh, but ultimately fulfilling.
0: Mm, okay, um the other thing you're going to talk about is the importance of free press <laughs> right, that's yeah. a big topic uh so okay, lay it out yeah. what what are your views on on free press today uh i mean
1: as what I said today i I mean thank God for the internet is all I could say because um uh the f- the press is so hungry to grab the clicks because the market is so fractured that it is really you know misbehaving I, I think there's no other there's no other word for it so the mainstream press and even the biggest newspapers in the world are, are misbehaving in a horrendous way um and i'll just give you one obvious example <laughs> the two million people march in mm-hmm. june in uh, in the. Uh, uh, Hong Kong right now I've been going on those marches for 30 years, 30 years literally and um, I've I, I've written them all up and you know there's always three figures there's the scientist figure there's the police figure mm-hmm. and then there's the organized figure and the scientists and the police roughly the same usually the scientists slightly above sometimes the police slightly above but they're kind of lockstep then there's the the the, the, the uh, organizers figure which is just pie in the sky and we all know it yeah. and they know it and they know we know it everybody knows it they just make it up um but this is it the shocking thing the world's biggest media the british newspapers the us newspapers they print it as fact they don't say claim of 2 million figures they say 2 million people marched in hong kong mm. yesterday that's wrong. I mean, that's just absolutely wrong. And I can find you a hundred examples like that. So the, the the mainstream media have abandoned their principles. Complete dereliction of duty. Uh, why? That's an interesting why? question. Do, do you
0: think it's... Be, I mean, partly it's commercial pressure to dramatise the story so that people will click on it and hopefully subscribe. That's the ultimate, mm. you know, that's the survival. It is part
1: of it, but there's something a bit darker to it in that I see this exaggeration, whenever the story shines a bad light on China. I don't see it when that is missing. So for example... So there's you're saying there's liberal bias? There's definitely liberal bias uh, against China. So because the protesters are seen as criticising China, the, the, the big Western newspapers will take anything they say uh, and present it as fact, even though Everybody concerned knows it's fantasy, you know, and that's actually really that's actually really sad, uh, really bad. But fortunately, we have the internet, so your ordinary citizen can actually say, you know, sometimes the mainstream media is is wrong, and we can say that, and that can go out to the world as well.
0: Okay, here's the other thing that, of course, we have to deal with these days: fake news. Um, how do people know what they're reading? is real or not sometimes it's very hard to tell and sometimes it's very hard to distinguish real editorial news from uh what they call native advertising which are are, are stories Mm -hmm. that look like stories but they're actually advertising
1: i know it's really it's it's really scary the whole uh, fake news phenomenon um in 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 my book for kids the first of everything there's a chapter which gives principles of how to spot fake news. And, um, you know, we we do have to find multiple sources. We have to avoid avoid Google, avoid Wikipedia. Uh, Find original sources is really important. Uh, Find multiple sources. Uh, One good trick I use is to find the self-critics. So, for example, if I'm writing something negative about the police... I find police officers criticising themselves. And then I get a really honest view. Same with protesters. Uh, If I'm writing something critical about the protesters, I go to the protesters and listen to them doing some self-criticism. So self-criticism is a a good way of finding the truth. Mm,
0: Exactly. Okay. Um, the other last thing about journalists is, you know, now they get instant feedback from their readers and subscribers through social media, whether that's good or bad. And how do you think that, Close, easy contact with your audience has affected uh, the press and it affected you know the, that whole relationship
1: it 's uh, it's interesting it 's nice to get that instant feedback. I really enjoy it uh, and it makes a sort of dynamic uh, movement feeling so I write a column and then I get a uh, hundred replies or a thousand replies sometimes on the internet. Uh, and it's great. It, it fills up my column for the following day or, or week. You know, so that's beautiful. Uh, it's great. Uh, you know, of course, one can get a lot of. You can abuse. get trolls too. Yeah, right? I get yeah. a lot of a lot of trolls. I, I I tend to get messages these days. We know where you work. You know, oh. things like that. But uh, I'm so used to that now that it no longer worries me.
0: So you have to take the negative just with a grain of salt, then.
1: Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think in the last ten years, I've maybe blocked. 7 8 people. So, you know, mm, not big numbers. It's not too bad.
0: Okay, well Nuri, thank you so much for coming in. Always good to to hear about what you're doing and thanks for sharing us uh sharing with us your work and also what's coming up soon on Wednesday. Thanks, Karen. Okay. Thanks for thanks for being here. And we've been speaking with Hong Kong-based author and journalist Nuri Vitachi.